What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are hot off our exclusive conversation with Anthony Rendon. People did not think that I could pull it off, but I did. We got Anthony Rendon to do agree to an hour-long interview, 70 minutes. Um, it was a great time and really an interesting look into his life. A lot about his family, his life, his Christian faith. Um, and we did talk some ball as well. We got uh, we talked a little bit about was he surprised about Shohei Otani leaving the Angels? And it was a great conversation. So if you guys have not caught that episode, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out. Today we've got another uh, professional baseball player on with us today. One of the stars of the Arizona Fall League. Um, he is a prospect in the Washington Nationals farm system, formerly with the Chicago Cubs. I got to, I was blessed to get a chance to speak with him and get to know him a little bit out the Fall League. The uh, tall left-hander DJ Hers from Fayetteville, North Carolina. DJ, welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the Jack Vita show. I appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you out at spring training. We did a, a little feature on you out that time at for Sports Illustrated, and it was a great time. Um, man, do you miss the Fall League at all? Do you miss? Uh, yeah, but I'm also <laughs> so happy that I'm, I'm in my offseason now. It was a super long season, like I think I remember telling you, like, I, I haven't been home since January because the Cubs love to do, like, their fall fall or their winter camps where they would uh, just basically put us in apartments and we would be able to just go train at the at the facilities and we were with all the other prospects. So it was kind of like we were building that team camaraderie and it was, it was just a very cool environment to go train in the offseason. So I would always go do that and – so yeah, I I, ha I haven't been home since since January, and and then it was a long season with with all that, and then uh, getting traded, and then going to the fall league, finding out three days before that I was going to go to the fall league. So I mean, it was a super long season, and the fall league was was super fun. It was it was very relaxed. It was you're playing some really good competition. Like everybody knows how to go about their business, and it was just cool environment, cool competition. And it was good to just go out there and compete and show like show your skills and it was it was, it was an awesome time and um I, I was just grateful to be a part of it. It was a lot of fun. It was the most fun that I've had as a journalist. And obviously, I'm in a similar spot like you, DJ. I'm early, just getting kind of my feet wet in this industry. But it was so much fun. I loved it because it was like every single day I was at the park. I'm watching yeah. some of the guys take BP. I'm talking to some of you guys. I'm watching a lot of future stars that you'll be seeing in the big leagues. Sure. Some next year. I mean, oh, yeah. some in a couple years. But and then it's like every single day, you know, like I live in Chicago and it's it's we just had a snowstorm last night. It's very <laughs> snowy. So it was like every single day. It's 75 degrees and sunny and I can play golf during the day and then go over to the park. And yeah, it was it was an experience that I hope to replicate in the years to come. Oh yeah, how's the golf game? Oh, you know what? I'm okay. I'm a little bit like, I, I, I there's a little bit of a happy Gilmore there. Like I, uh, I'm a strong driver. I've actually, okay. I'm not even like you've seen me. I'm probably five ten, 
but I have yeah. a pretty good weight transfer. So I bomb the ball pretty well and I hit it straight, but then the irons and the wedges, ooh, ugly. Just kind of lose it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Putting's okay. How about you? Um, I know during COVID, like I just started playing golf for the first time. So I was like, man, I hate being bad at stuff like, or, or not feeling like I can like, <laughs> like just do it at all. So I was like, over COVID, I'm, I'm going to get good at this thing. So I was hitting the driving range every day. I was watching YouTube videos, reading books. I was like, man, I'm going a, I'm to a get good at golf. And I got to the point where, like, I started shooting consistently low 80s and being able to compete with, with my friends and teammates. And then over, like, once the seasons kind of started back up, I kind of played a little bit less. Um, and then it kind of got a little rusty, and eventually – this I picked it back up a lot this off season, and so me and uh, guy on the two other guys on the Cubs, uh, one was Jackson Ferris, and then uh, Cohen Moreno, and he had a buddy that that um, worked at Pinehurst. So every week we were kind of just all meeting up. He's out. He's oh, he was man. like from out in like the mountains, and then Cohen was in Raleigh, and then I lived in Fayetteville. So we would all kind of just meet up, and all three of us kind of go golf at Pinehurst like once a week, and we get we would get a discount. So it was pretty sick, and and Jackson Ferris just got traded to the to the Dodgers. So, and uh, it, was, it was cool to talk to him and kind of give him some some insight on the on the trade process. But uh, yeah, the golf game's coming back. We're kind of knocking off the rust. Uh, I think me and my brother are about to go play uh, Tobacco Road here pretty soon, which is which is another really cool course in North Carolina. But um, I, I love golf. I love how challenging it is. It's, I think it's definitely one of the most probably the most frustrating sport ever it's it's so hard and there's so many like just intricates to it it's 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 a fun game the toughest call i have with golf is do i drink a coffee before i play or not because the upside is i have heightened awareness i can focus better but then the downside is i'm putting and my heart is racing (laughs) yeah no that's i feel that i feel that on the putt i'll have like a four or five foot putt and it's like it's something that like i usually would knock down with with no problem but then like we're, we're playing for like playing for stuff and i'm like <laughs> oh i got the pressure on me now and then shank the putt, and i'm like <laughs> but no it, it's, it's it's such a good time especially when you're playing with buddies and stuff which one of you guys is the best golfer you know all three of us are pretty actually like similar like it just depends kind of on the day where like some days, like I'm, I'm not as good, and then some days he is, or I'm really good on the front nine or back nine, and then they're like also good on one of the nines, and it's usually it's a pretty even match to be honest, and uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty even to be honest. What do you normally shoot? Right now, low to mid to low mid eighties to low nineties. Okay. I haven't got back good. to low not low eighties yet, but uh, we're 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 working to get there. It's so easy to become obsessed with it, and it's a oh, great yeah, it is. It's a it's a great way to just challenge yourself and constantly be trying to improve. Like when I play, I most of the time I play with my dad, and I'm not paying any attention to his score. I'm just focused <laughs> on my own score, and I'm just like, man, like I really want to break. I want to get below ninety, but haven't gotten there yet. Oh yeah. It's it's so it's so challenging. It's it's that's why I, I kind of love it, like how challenging it is. And you could do so many things so well, and then just screw it up 
with yeah. a couple of bad, you know, chips or putts or there's just so many ways that you can add strokes to your score and it's just so frustrating it's like a whole hole you got to be pretty consistent like you can't have like a really good drive and then the next shot like be kind of bad because that can mess your score up or it's got to be consistently kind of good to and then you can always make up for shots like you can shoot a bad drive you can shoot a bad uh iron and then somehow you make a great chip and that's why, like, you keep coming back is for those those really good shots, and it's it's a fun sport. Did you play it all out in Arizona? Oh yeah, I was I was playing a lot. I'm me, Cohen, and then two other Cub guys. Uh, we actually won a night golf tournament, uh, a nine hole night nine nine hole night golf tournament with like glow balls, and they put like wow. little glow sticks up, and it kind of looked like a air air airline or like an airport like how they fly in at night so you could see everything. You could see the whole fairways and they put it around the greens and then put some on top of the hole. And it was, it was honestly pretty sick. And we actually, we actually won that. It was like a four man scramble night golf. Wow. Was this at the fall league or at spring training? This was, I want to say this was two years ago. So I think it was probably in 22 or 21. I want to say 22. What, uh, have you played Papago? I don't think I played Papago, but I played Long Arrow or Longbow. One of the, I think Longbow. Yeah, I've played nice True course. North. Um, I've, I've played I've played a bunch of courses. Out talking there. Stick. I didn't actually play Talking Stick. Yeah, I haven't stick. played that one yet. It's a, I mean, it's great. So, so Jackson Ferris, he gets traded yesterday. Did you and you you've talked with him since that trade? You guys, you gave him a little bit of uh, wisdom and advice and kind of. Yep. Well, I actually called Cohen, who I'm really good friends with, because we we kind of knew each other a little bit before high school, and um, then he got drafted. So, I, and he was like a year behind me. So, like me and him had a lot in common, and we were actually really good friends. And uh, and then Jackson was like, I, I want to say two years. So, like he's my brother age, which is three years younger than me. So I kind of met him while I was rehabbing my hamstring in uh, spring training. And so that's how me and Jackson got to met, and I found out he was from originally from North Carolina too. And um, so I called Cohen up, and he was I was like, "Dude, did you just hear Jackson got traded?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm actually in the car with him right now. We're about we're heading to golf." And I was like, <laughs> oh "Dang, sick invite, man." He's like, "Man, we're out in Arizona now, and uh, and stuff." I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." So, uh, but yeah, and then I, I talked to Jack Jackson for for a little while, and. Just told them it's it's a good thing, man. They, they're showing that they they see a lot of value in you, and they have a lot of worth in you. And you're getting traded for a really really good prospect. Like, dude's a baller. Like, so I was just letting him know, like, it, it's it's a good thing that you're getting traded. It might be a little crazy right now, and you're gonna have to take it a little time to adjust. But it's a it's a really good thing. Yeah, and the as you would know, the Cubs have a lot of really good pitching prospects. Oh they've yeah, had, they've been they've had a bunch of you guys coming through over the last couple of years, which is interesting because sure. the four or five years prior, it was all hitting prospects. Exactly. Like when I first got drafted in 2019, there wasn't, there wasn't really many pitchers. Like there was Braylon Marquez and I want to say that was, that was kind of it. And then it was like me and like Ryan Jensen. And I was like, ah, this is nice. <laughs> and, and then literally I want to say like, the year Wicks got traded, and then they made the trades for 
um, Killian, Wisniewski, all those guys. And you started just seeing like it just starting to turn around. And then they got Horton and then they got Ben Brown. And then they, they got they got a bunch of guys that are really good, really good pitchers. If I gave you a chance to buy stock in one of those guys and say, all right, I think that guy is going to be the best major league pitcher. Do you, is there someone that just their stuff just jumps out at you and like, okay, that's the guy. I mean, I feel like, I feel like just watching and seeing how he like goes about his stuff. Kate Horton is, is a beast. Like I, I, once he gets like one more pitch and he gets to develop that one more pitch, because when you get up there and you get into higher levels, like you're going to need one more because they'll know how to, kind of sit on that one pitch or they'll be able to take it or wait for that one pitch. But once he gets that one and his fastball, you tend to see guys that are really good pitchers. They, they know how to compete. They got the like bulldog mindset and they have really good fastballs. That's, that's like the big thing that makes like somebody jump is a really good fastball. And Cade's got a really good fastball. There's, there's also a guy in LA that I'm really good friends with. His name's Walker Powell. And I think he's a sleeper guy that is, man, mm-hmm. he, he's a little bit older. He, I think he's like 27. He was an undrafted guy, but pitchability, like I've, I've never seen a guy like just know how to pitch like this dude named Walker Powell. He's, he's awesome. And hitting wise, is there a hitter that impressed you the most in the Cubs system? Uh, Yeah, I, I talk about it. He's like one of my best friends and Owen Casey, man, that dude is unreal i mean how hard he hits the ball his eye he's got great eyes for the age he's at and he's just got so much like presence at the at the plate and you can like really see that that he's like an advanced hitter for for his age and dude he's only i think i think he just turned 21 so he's got so much room to get bigger stronger and just mature into his body like i just he's gonna be a problem and he was like my me and him would go fish every single off day in Tennessee, it was it was honestly really sick. We would go find this river, uh, this little river in um, Sevierville, Se- and I mean, we were there for hours on hours, like just fishing, and we were catching some big old fish, and it was it was a good time. I know you're a big fishing guy. Can you explain to those? I, I asked the same similar question to Anthony Rendon the other day. I said. You know, he's a huge, he's big into hunting. What's the appeal to hunting? Because I know a lot of people are maybe not as outdoorsy or I think part of it is if you grow up, like I grew up in Chicago, it's not, there aren't too many people who fish or hunt or really even hike for that matter. Um, But then like you got someone like Rendon who is from Houston, more people own guns. A lot of people he went to college with were into hunting. How did you get into fishing and what, do you enjoy most about it dude i got into fishing i want to say two and a half years ago so not even like i would i never enjoyed fishing i never even thought like oh let's go fish like it was kind of a thing i I met a guy named uh chris clark he he was a usc guy um and we both got drafted in 2019 i want to say he was uh he was the fourth rounder and um Super big and efficient, and I remember. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Sloan Park? Yep, you are. There's a they built that new Sheraton Hotel right beside it, and we would walk across to that little like park lit 
they had a little pond that they restocked with like catfish and stuff like that. And me and Clark were just super bored. Uh, like this week, and we were like, dude, let's just go walk to Walmart. Let's get some fishing poles. Let's get some some bait for some catfish, and let's just go sit. We can read a book or whatever it is, and we can just like just catch catfish. And it's a lot different from bass bass fishing because bass, you're always reeling in. You're always trying to like work the work the pole, but with the catfish, you just kind of drop it out there and you let it sit, and then you can kind of just chill. And once you see that tip of the uh, fish pole moving. That's when you know it's it, he's on. So I caught my first catfish, and I was I was scared to touch it. Like I was like, <laughs> man, I'm not touching this slimy fish. Like he's like, man, just grip it, just grip it. And I was like, ah, all right, I'm gonna grip it. And so I just gripped it, and I got hooked ever since. And then I think he took me. I think we went bass fishing in Tennessee, and. Oh, and then I, I met a guy named Jeremiah Estrada and we would all kind of just start fishing together at this little golf pond. And then we had some, we even had some Dominicans come out with us and start fishing and they were taking some of the fish home and cooking them. And I was like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> but, uh, ever since then, dude, I, I, I fell in love with fishing. Like my, my favorite spot was actually in Harrisburg, like I, I love this the town of Harrisburg when I got traded and we we had a we had a place, an apartment that they put us in. Um it was five minutes from a little creek, actually a bigger creek that fed into the Sus- Susquehanna River, I wanna say, which is a huge river in Pennsylvania. And these little creeks you could just walk in and me and my girlfriend would go fish it and I was I was literally there every pretty much every day, sometimes in the morning. Oh man, it sounds it sounds like you had a great time. I think it seems like you enjoy kind of the peacefulness. It's a chance for you sure. to unwind a little bit and relax. Exactly, and and like you don't you don't know what you're gonna catch. Like sometimes it could be small, sometimes it could be big, and like I even get hype over like the the little fish or the big fish, and because like I'm I, I'm new to the area, so I'm like I don't know what's in here. I want to figure out what's in here. I want to see how big something is, or I just want to catch something. I want to find the honey hole. And it, it's just cool to like adventure out and kind of like figure out that spot. And yeah, like you said, just kind of be at peace. Like I, I, I bring a little speaker and I just kind of listen to music and it's just, just it's just really nice to kind of like unwind. You don't got to be on your phone and you're kind of just in the moment and then present and it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's not really my preferred hobby. I, I feel like for me, it's golf in that regard, oh, but yeah. I can see the appeal of it for sure. For sure. Yeah, I don't know if I have enough patience, and like I don't. Oh like... yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> but once you get that first one, you're hooked. <laughs> do you typically catch and release, or do you cook it? Oh, I, I I've never I've never brought one home with me. I I usually just catch and release, and I just take a quick little picture, and that that's pretty much <laughs> it. Have you wanted to try deep sea fishing? Oh yeah, I I know when when I get down to Florida. I got some buddies and we're all going to kind of get on a little pontoon or not a pontoon, but like one of those boats that take you deep out there. And it's going to be a good time. Excited for a new spring training location. Get to do the grapefruit league this time around. Yep, It's going to be interesting. I I, I love the weather of Arizona. My girlfriend's out there. Um, But yeah, no, Arizona was, Arizona was awesome. I think it might honestly be my favorite state. I've ever been to just because it's so so much different from North Carolina that 
I, I, Arizona's Arizona's awesome place. And but now I'm I'm closer to home, which is really nice. I'm I'm used to this Florida weather, so it'll be cool to be kind of closer to home and and over in Florida. Yeah, the biggest difference, as I'm sure everyone has told you, is the proximity from camp to camp in Florida versus Arizona. Arizona, it's like you could go to any camp within an hour. And now it's like, you might have a day where like, I was just thinking about this. I'm like, man, I really like to see DJ and maybe play some golf with him or something this spring training, but I'm going to be on the West side of Florida. And like, I don't think like, we're probably going to be like four or five hours apart from each other. At least three and a half, four hours. Yeah. That's the, that's the difference. But I think the, the plus side now, I'll say it for you because you might not want to say it as a player. Is you don't have to go to the all the road games if yeah, you're doing nice. spring training. You can work out and then go home and you get the day off. Whereas Arizona, you're you're going like everywhere every single day. Exactly. Yeah, but Florida's a great state. So how'd you meet your girlfriend? Uh, we met. We're coming up on two years now. We we kind of talked for like five months I want to say before we start actually started dating and it was in I want to say at the end of 21 I finished my season and I went down back for the camp of in Arizona to to go work out and uh do my stuff there and that's when we kind of met like I met her on Instagram and I kind of shot my shot in in the DMs and and then we went out we went for our first date to some steakhouse and uh and then kind of just went from there and then we hung out pretty much every other day. And then we, we uh, asked her out the day after or the day before I was leaving to spring or leaving after spring training. So, uh, yeah, it was weird timing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what's the off season like for you? What have you been up to? I mean, look, you mentioned you want to get a break. You got home, you know, probably two months ago. You've gotten to be home for a little bit. Maybe you've traveled a little bit in this past couple of months, had the holidays. Start? Are you starting to ramp up and work out a little more as you get closer and closer to spring training? Oh, yeah. So I kind of just took one week, one week and a half to myself. Um, hold up. Yeah, no worries if you got to get up or anything. Just no, I almost had to sneeze. I'm a, I'm <laughs> allergic to cats, and we have we have two, two, three cats here, and sometimes one sleeps like above my like, <laughs> like above my cabinet. So like my hairs or my my room's infested with cat hair and just sitting. Up. But uh, um, so yeah, the so I took it off for like two weeks and. Then kind of just started back slowly throwing like three times a week, very lightly. Um, started hitting the weight room hard because like like fall league, it kind of took a little bit of that strength training type of period to uh, train. But um, started going, working out. And yeah, it's been nonstop. Now we're, I got my first bullpen in uh, Tuesday. So next week, so in like three days, I got my first bullpen. I threw my first max long throw uh, two days ago, and so yes, yeah, it's, it's starting to pick up quickly. And, and everybody, I keep everybody keeps asking me when you're leaving, when you're leaving, and uh, I just keep. I'm like February. I know report dates February 14th, and I'm like, geez, that's literally four or like a a month away. And 
I probably get down there a little bit early. So I got like three and a half weeks, three weeks, and I'm like already back. And it's like, it's crazy how it kind of came back this fast, but I'm, I'm, I couldn't say I'm, I'm ready to go. It's, it's, I love the season. I love just being around the teammates. I love having like something, know that I'm doing something that day or going to a game and I, I'm just ready for the season to start back up. This, this is the, this is a great part of the season. DJ, is this the year? Oh yeah. I, I think it, I, I think it will be with, with everything that obviously the biggest thing is just staying healthy, getting through spring training. That's, that's the, that's the first win of anything before you start your season is get through spring training healthy. That's, that's the number one key for pretty much every player. And, and it's, it's crazy to think, but getting through spring training healthy is, is one of the hardest thing for a lot of, a lot of baseball players because it, it just depends if you really worked your butt off kind of in the off season to prepare yourself for that. And, and then just going about and being mindful of how hard you're throwing, the intent you're throwing and, Oh, this is going to be my first big league camp. Do I want to like gas it out and like show them that like, I want to do it from the very first day. So it's kind of just being mindful that like, just still take it slow. Just treat it like it's, it, it was like the minor leagues, like you're going to, gradually work up to get a hundred percent. So not just jumping straight into it because I want to show like these big league coaches or managers or, or the GM and all that stuff that like, I'm ready to go now. So it's kind of just gradually getting into it. So just being mindful of like the intent I'm throwing and just getting through spring training will be the biggest win for, for the first part. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Are you, have you turned 23 yet or are you still 22? I just turned 23. Uh, oh yes. 4th. Yeah, that's right. It was your birthday last week. Yeah, yeah I forgot. Just turned twenty three. Jordan, I sent year. you. I, so I wish you a happy birthday. I forgot. All yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> big year, Jordan year. So Jordan year, it's gonna be a so. great year. Okay, and you're, you, we mentioned, uh, we talked about this when I interviewed you for Sports Illustrated, uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, JP France used to live there. He just moved to Nashville. Yeah. You did you and JP get a chance to know each other a little bit? Uh, he, he asked me a couple, he asked me a few times and it just happened to be the times that I was out in Arizona, uh, doing my training out, out with the Cubs and I would come home for, for a week and then come home for two weeks for Christmas and then a week, uh, after that. But it just happened to be at times where I was in Arizona and then I would come back home and he was off seeing family and stuff. So we never got the chance to throw, but we, we texted for a little bit. Is there are there any major league pitchers that you've built a relationship with who are not guys that you came up and spent time in the minor leagues with, but are established veterans, guys that have been a mentor or someone that you could go to and ask questions to? Um, huh, interesting. Uh, there's one guy that, that that's from Fayetteville too. His name's Austin Warren. He's he's with the Angels, and yep. um, he was in 12th grade when I was in eighth grade. So right when I got to high school, he kind of jumped out. But he was a shortstop at uh, I want to say community college, and then just turned pitcher and went to UNCW. Got drafted in and became like a stud pitcher and he's a little shorter guy like five ten five five nine something like that i want to say maybe five eleven i don't want to do him wrong but 
he's a, he's a great dude, and he he debuted with with the Angels two years ago, and then unfortunately got Tommy John, so he's he's recovering through that. So I was throwing a lot with him and kind of picking his brain a little bit uh, during the offseason to help help him with his uh, his little training to get back to get back healthy. Other than that, I mean, I haven't been around like super old like pitchers or like veterans type pitchers or anything like that like Harrisburg they were super young the Cubs they had some older guys but um nothing that like nothing that was like crazy is there a major league pitcher that you either watched as a kid or have watched more recently that is a favorite of yours to watch or someone that you've maybe learned a thing or two from when you look at mechanics or delivery, anything like that? Uh, definitely. Number one would be like, as a kid, like Clayton Kershaw was my like kind of idol, like just going up as a lefty. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to be just as good or better than Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like I, I, I can believe it. I believe it. And that's why I, I worked my butt off growing up and, uh, it's just crazy that we're actually here and we, we, we could actually do it. And, um, but Kershaw was definitely like my biggest, like just a great person, great competitor. My mechanics weren't, weren't as similar to his and I, mine's were kind of just all natural. So, and then you kind of look at the mechanics side and it's like kind of Chris sell and just seeing how he kind of threw and stuff that like stuff like that. But, um, I remember when I first got drafted, Kendall Graveman was was with the Cubs, and I think he was rehabbing. And this is when I first got drafted, so it was like July. So we come up to the to the facility, and I just remember like I'm I'm new to everything. I'm still 18 years old, and I'm trying to like figure out like where to go or be on time with with bullpens or throw. And I remember I'm putting my uh, baseball pants on, and I'm like I'm I look at the time. I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta be out there and like three, two minutes, and I still don't got my belt on. I'm My cleats are untied, and I'm running out to the field. And Chris Kendall Graveman is, like, on the complete other side, but, like, he's looking over while, like, I'm, like, running, putting my belt on, go down to tie my shoes. My jersey's a little untucked. And I remember he came over, and he was like, dude, don't ever do that again. Like, you need to make sure, like, you're on time. You Like, this is not being professional. Like, you need to, like, learn how to be professional, like, and I, that kind of always just stuck with me. And like, I was never late. I was always like 10, 15 minutes early. I always made sure like I have everything ready to go. And I just, I, I was super grateful for that. Like he was on my butt about it. And I was like, I didn't take it as like, oh, this dude's being mean or he's being, he's being like a, like a bad guy to me or like he's just showing superiority to me. I took it as like, you know what? Like he's right. Like I, I can't do this again, especially if I want to, become a professional baseball player or like major leaguer like that's just not ac acceptable so like I was grateful to learn that as like a young age and grateful for him to like kind of like show that like he kind of cared about me like to say that so it was that was a cool moment that was a learning experience for you for sure yeah I think we all have those and whatever even going back to when we may have been in high school or, you know, being young, but especially in our careers, we have those kind of moments where it's like, okay, not doing that again. Learn from that For mistake. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So you're excited for this next year. Uh, you come into Washington. 
what was that process like being traded? Um, dude, I we the whole half like half the Tennessee Smokies team we all went out to go golf, and it was like a big off day, and um, I never thought I was gonna get traded. I went to Cubs Con with the Cubs. I I won pitcher of the year in in twenty one. I from the way they were talking, I, I was I was like on the brink of getting called up at that year if if I kept finishing like I hit my stride like one month after I like started my season. I that that after that if you take away that first month, like I was I was killing it. And um so we were really honing down on some stuff and I thought the Cubs like were like all in on me. So I was like I didn't even have any thoughts and like I was hearing stuff about other people getting traded. So I was kind of just like, Oh, I'm, 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 I'm a cub. Like, I'm not worried about like that stuff. And like, I was just so curious to hear who was going to get traded from the Cubs. And I was like, I was just never thinking it was going to be me. So we went to go golf and we, I shot a pretty good round and come back and I take a nap and I'm like sleeping and me and Owen are planning to go fish like two hours from now. And I get a call from Jared Banner and he kind of, and I, I looked at my girlfriend. I'm like, yes, we're going to AAA. Like, finally, like, let's go. Now we can like really go show like our skills and like if we if we pitch really good there, Cubs are making a push. Like maybe it could happen. And he he just called and I was still kind of like daydreaming asleep, kind of because I was I was deep into my nap. And I wake up and get a call and I'm and he's like, hey DJ, I just want to let you know that um. You just got traded to the Washington Nationals, and I was like, "Huh?" And I was, I was like, "What'd you say?" And he's like, "You just got traded to the Nationals." I was like, "Oh, okay." And then, I mean, he he basically kind of told me that and asked if I had any questions, and I told him, "I mean, I just said thank you for everything, and uh, thank you for letting me know." And everything kind of changed from there, but and I. I knew I've heard about trades and how they're good for you. And man, this, that trade was probably the best thing for my career. And, um, it's awesome to be with the nationals who are so young and, and they're trying to win now. So they're looking for guys. And I, I know I can, I can show the, show the nationals what, what I'm about. Does it put a chip on your shoulder at all? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, like, like I explained to my girl, I, I felt like I got broken up with. And uh, I remember like my 21, I got, uh, I was dating my ex-girlfriend and we, we broke up like kind of a little bit before spring training, but I went on to win pitch of the year that year. And I was just kind of like a little chip on the shoulder. Like, and then I told my girl, I was like, oh, this is, now that I got traded from the cuz, I felt like I got broken up with, I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to go be a beast out there. Like I just know it. And I I crushed it uh after being traded and um now it's just being able to re- repeat that and keep keep working on the stuff that I I did to finish the season. So it's just, it's it's a good spot to be in. Is there one pitch that you feel most confident in that is like your go-to pitch? Definitely the go-to pitch is it's crazy because everybody talks about my changeup and how how good it is, but yeah, it's a, if we're being honest, it's it's my yeah. fastball. Like that's my go-to pitch. Like I throw it. I know starters usually throw like more around like fifty percent with the fastball, but 
I'm kind of more like 65, higher 60s with, with the fastball. So I'm always using a fastball, and I know I can work. I know have I have a really deceptive fastball, so I can really use my off speeds to make the fastball look even better or make my off speeds look better. And I can kind of get a read of how that bat's going with just the first pitch. And that's why I always I always call my pitches, and uh, I like to have the control in my my favor. So I I like, and I feel like I'm kind of a little unpredictable when I'm on the mound. So that's how I like to like to pitch. So I always go through the through the fastball pretty much. So one thing I think is interesting is a lot of people who are fans might not know a whole lot about what the minor league lifestyle is like it's not it's definitely not as glamorous as a major league lifestyle um is there anything about being a minor league baseball player that surprised you where you're like oh wow interesting i didn't didn't realize that we would be doing this um it's i didn't know how much of a kind of a i knew minor league was a grind but i didn't understand like six days a week of six games a week is is crazy and how how like just mentally tired you can get towards the end of the season. And then you go to go to the big leagues and it's 162 games, which adds on another two months, which is, which is definitely mentally like tiring. So it's like, you don't realize that unless you're like in the season or you're, you're built and strengthened for, for like going through a whole full season. Um, And also kind of like the minor league food is, is tough, especially it depends where, like, what location you're in. Like, so say you're in a nicer city, you'll get better food. But if you're in a no-name city like how we were in um, in Knoxville, Tennessee, or not Knoxville, but Kodak, Tennessee, it was challenging because if you wanted any type of, food, like, good food, like, it was 20 minutes away. And the only thing that was close to the ballpark, because Kodak is one street, and anything close was – it was – Taco Bell, McDonald's, Cracker Barrel, um, gas station, uh, Subway. And that was pretty much it. And so it was tough to cater for for not just like a couple guys, but literally a whole team of 30-plus. And then you got the coaches and everybody's trying to eat. And it's just it's just challenging to like kind of maintain weight or – and just gain weight in general because you're like eating the same foods and then sometimes it's not the best quality. And then sometimes you go on the road and you you're ready to eat after a game. And sometimes it's, it's just not the best food. And they're like, man, I, I don't, I really don't feel like eating this. So I think the food is probably the biggest thing that uh, people might not just understand. Any ballparks other than, other than ballparks within your organization, so excluding Cubs, excluding Nationals, but minor league ballparks uh, that have jumped out as being unique or really cool ballparks to pitch in that you think maybe fans would enjoy to check out. Mm. Um, or maybe a place that you just had a unique experience at. You're like, wow, that's a different, that was different from some of the other places I played at. I loved my favorite place to honestly pitch at this year was uh, Rocket City. Rocket I think City. that place was sick. It's, anytime we went to Rocket City, we for us we had we had a really good hotel. There was a gas station right across the street that was twenty four hours, so we could always just go there if we never needed anything. Um, but the sit the city of 
of Huntsville, Alabama was it was on the like up and coming. It was it was really sick. It was nice, really clean. And then the ballpark was brand new and that ballpark was was amazing. I I loved the mound. Uh they had the fence going all the way down so there was no brick. And that p- whole place they they do things right there. The locker rooms were nice. The clubbies were awesome. I I always enjoyed going to um Rocket City. Rocket City. So where is Rocket City and what what team is Rocket City's like uh, uh major league yeah. Alabama. It's Rocket City Trash Pandas. Trash the Pandas yeah. for the uh for for the Angels. Angels. Okay. Yeah, cool. pitched against Sonny DeShero a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Was there anyone at the Fall League that you really enjoyed getting a chance to know from other teams that maybe you had faced them before and you you didn't know anything about, or maybe you had struck them out a couple times and you got to share a laugh about that, anything like that? Struck a lot of my teammates out in the fall <laughs> league. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I thought there was like, I want to say there was, there was three that really stuck out to me that were like, I, like I said, Sonny, Sonny DeShero, he was, he was an awesome dude. I, I enjoyed being a teammate of his and playing against him all the time in double A was kind of, it was finally nice to be teammates with him. So I didn't have to face him no more. And then uh, a, a stud I've met in the fall league that when I got traded to Harrisburg, he was just, I could already tell this dude was like legit and it was Oliver Dunn. And he's, yeah. he's a dude that is unbelievable. And I was like, man, the Nats need to get you, man. Somehow the Nats <laughs> need to get you. And then he got traded to the Brewers. And uh, that dude, he's all about baseball. He plays it the right way. He he does everything right about baseball. And he's he's he works his butt off. He's super hard worker. And like I said, and he's 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 a real real legit dude. And then the other dude would be Tacoa Roby, and he's he's also a great dude. Knows about his business and works really hard. It was good to chat because we were pretty much the same age, and we were. I think me and him were the two, one of the two youngest guys there, especially pitchers wise, and pretty much the whole league. So it was cool to, and he just got traded, so we were able to relate on that and be able to talk about our experiences. So those three guys were were awesome dudes that I got to met meet. So you mentioned Oliver Dunn. That's a guy who's not a top 30 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Uh, he was really one. Him and Caleb Durbin, I think, were a couple of the breakout stars mm-hmm. of the Fall League, where neither of these guys are top 30. They yep. both put on a clinic offensively. Uh, Durbin stole a lot of bags. Both of them, I think, will be really you know solid Major League players. So they'll oh, get up. Dude, yeah. Oliver Dunn is a beast, man. I, I faced him when he was in Reading. And he was like the one. I think I, I pitched on. I pitched a Tuesday and a Sunday against him. I gave up like I want to say three hits in the whole weekend. And I think he had he got on base pretty much every single time that I faced him. I was like, "Who is this guy? This guy's this guy is good, man." And uh, he's a lefty too, which lefties don't handle my fastball as well as as righties. So it's kind of tough for lefties to hit. And he was always on it, just always making contact. It just felt like a super hard at bat against him. And then I got to meet him in the fall league. And dude, I, I love watching that dude play. He was my favorite player player to watch at the fall league. And I think he'll honestly be one of the best 
out of the whole fall league, to be honest. Be honest. Do you pay any attention to the top prospects list? Are you like, man, I really want to get in the top 100. Do you pay any attention to that? Uh, it's not like something like I'm super like, oh, I want to do this. It's not like it's not a goal of mine. It's it's obviously nice if like it were to happen and be like, cool, like, oh, we, we made that. That that's really awesome to like just say that I was a part of. Um, but it's not like nothing like crazy, like, oh, I want I want to do this. Like, this is going to be my goal. I'm going to focus on this because at the end of the day, it's it's just people's opinions of of who that they think they're better. And everybody can have their own opinion. So I'm not going to let it like go crazy about it or any of that type of stuff. So I'm just kind of focused on getting to the big leagues. And then once I get there, I can show everybody what what I'm about. And and then they nobody can say or Nobody can say whatever they want to say about me because I, once I get there, I know I can turn some heads and, and kind of dominate. One thing I find interesting about minor league baseball, and obviously I, I have not played minor league baseball. I do not claim to be someone who is an amazing baseball player or anything like that. But one thing from my kind of outsider perspective that's always been interesting to me is it seems a little different from like playing on a high school team or high school team. You're all trying to win this state championship. And obviously in minor league baseball, you guys are all trying to win. You're trying Mm -hmm. to, I'm not saying that, that you are not, but obviously the goal there is to get to the big leagues. Is it, I mean, is it a little awkward or strange at all? Like to, is there a sense of like competition amongst each other while you're trying to compete for this goal of, Yes, we want our team to do well, but you know, I'd really like to edge out that guy to be the one that gets called up next. No, for sure. It, and it it happens way more than anybody thinks because like nobody's like obviously like for the organization and like just to show that we have a good farm system. It, it's cool to win and it's cool to win a championship of that league or or whatever it is, but like for me, like these are like the guys that like I'm competing to get to the to the majors with. Like, I I, I want to, I like I love being teammates, and I I want like I'm always gonna be a great good teammate and root my guys on. And but I know that I got to work harder than you because we got the same exact goal. And like it's just about like who kind of wants it more. Like me and Jordan Jordan Wicks when we were with the Cubs, we kind of always kind of joked about it. Like just being two lefties going through the system together, like. Me and Jordan, we uh, I got called up to South Bend in 21 from from Low A. At, me and him got called up at the exact same time. He just got drafted and he was in uh, rookie league, just throwing, getting ready to go. And he got bumped straight to High A South Bend, and I got bumped up to High A South Bend at the exact same time. Uh, the next season, we go back to South Bend. We pitched there, um, and then me and him both got called up to double eight the exact same time. Both got the phone call, went into the manager's office. They told us we we're both going to double A. So it was really cool to go to the system. But it's also not just like competing, but like it makes you work harder. Like it, it kind of holds yourself accountable with that other teammate. Like, hey, let's go do this together. Like I want to work. I want it as just as much as you. So let, let, let's be the best we can be and let's like push each other to be the best. So that's what, like, I think the, the cool thing about minor leagues is, like, when you got that other person that that is going for the same goal, it pushes you to raise your game, elevate your game, and makes you want it more, makes you go harder. So it's, it's just all about pushing each other, and it, it's cool to see when, when like, the kind of end result or kind of to see how far you've come and, and just, just be thankful that you had someone to go through that with. 
DJ, you mentioned before we started recording, you just got another puppy. What's the dog's name? What kind of dog is this? How is he getting along? How is he or she getting along with the other dog? Please, uh, so, please open up. This is important. We need to know about your dogs. So I've had, I got Ivy, who's a golden retriever female. Is that a Cubs inspired name? Yeah, there was, it was, it was kind of, it was pretty much Cubs inspired, but it wasn't like fully, I would probably say yeah. like 75, 75% cup. It was like, we wanted a name that was unique for a girl that nobody really had as a dog. We didn't want to just go with the generic names. And we kind of went just, we're like just spitballing. And I was like, Ivy. And we were like, dang, that's actually a really good name. And then it just happened to go with the Cubs. And we were like, oh, that would be, that would be pretty nice. And we kind of stuck with Ivy. And then uh, we were always like, yeah, let's get, we, we need to get Ivy a friend. So we don't got to play with, play with her all the time. Like it'd be good to kind of get her a friend. And she kind of just turned one month. So she's like, I want to say she's like a year and three, four months old now. And it's crazy how fast time kind of flies with that. Um, and then I uh, came home and the puppies out in Arizona were way more expensive than in North Carolina. <laughs> and so we were like, dude, we're going to get, we get, we could get a great deal. So I, my girlfriend flew to Charlotte for new year's and we saw friends and we spent the time in Charlotte. And then my mom got us a room in Bowling Rock in the mountains and my girlfriend was just looking up because we were always talking about getting her a boy puppy. So, so maybe we can breed them one day and, and eventually like have little puppies we can give to my mom and her family and we could probably keep one. And so we, so we, she's looking and she just happens to find a place like 30 minutes from blowing rock, which we shouldn't even been in blowing rock, but we were like, this is a nice coincidence that we could just maybe have an excuse to go check it, check it out and see how they would fit. And so we went out to, it was a place called Hamptonsville and we're looking and uh, we, we asked the people about the dogs. We go there and we, we left Ivy in the car and we're going there and we're looking at the puppies. There's like five, five boys, six boys. And all the boys just wanted to kind of play with their, with each other. And then there's one dog that just kind of ran up to my girlfriend and it was just so content of just being in, in her arms and, didn't pay no mind attention to the other dogs. And he was just like, we kind of just joke around saying he's like a lover boy. And uh, he was, he's just super sweet. And we were like, we, we I mean, they were half off the half off and um, he's a little bit older. So like, that's why the price went down and we we're like, this is, this is perfect. Like we're not going to find a deal better than this. And we kind of took it home and, and the, the other puppy, Avi, but we, we, we ended up naming him Riggs. R I G G S Wrigley. Yeah, no, not, not <laughs> but Riggs. And uh, so when we got them, uh, Ivy wasn't super happy about it. She's, she's a little jealous and she's like, just being her female self. And uh, she was a little jealous and she wasn't as happy that we, we got the puppy too much. And, but now they're literally, they're becoming best friends. So it's, it's really cool to see that they're they're starting to get along because at first, like, she wouldn't let Riggs be nowhere near. Her. She she wouldn't let him lay near her. He, she wouldn't let him play with her or take the toys, and she would get mad. But now they're literally they lay beside each other. They 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 play with each other. So it's it's really cool that she's she's an she's an awesome dog. And what what breed are these dogs? They're both golden retrievers. Golden retrievers. The boy's a little bit lighter. 
and she's a little bit darker than than he is. I've got an Australian Shepherd Mini. Nice. They're, they're, I feel like that bre- that breed is really kind of blowing up. You're seeing more of them in the commercials, oh, yeah. and lot, I feel like a lot of players have the Aussies, but they're great. I love it. Was the best decision I've ever made was getting my first dog. The first, I want to say, the first three days to a week. I'm looking at my girlfriend and I'm like, what did we just do? This, this was with Ivy. I was like, why did we just get a dog? Like, why we were not ready. Like, this is this is too much. Like, we we need it. Like, honestly, we just need to take them back when we can't. And but then it turned out to be like literally the best thing I've ever I've ever done because I love those dogs so much. Is Boston Rob the goat of Survivor? I think he has to be. I've seen I don't want to say like I'm a fanatic to where I've seen every single season, but I've watched I want to say at least six seasons. And but I watched the first one with Rob and then I was like, dude, I gotta see this guy again. And dude, it was it was cool like watching like all the past winners come back. And that that survivor season, it was one of my favorites. But but I think He's like the one guy, like if I remember any survivor name or anybody, Boston Rob was like the guy. And then obviously I, he met his wife on there too, right? He did. Yeah, Amber. Yeah. Yep. So if you, let's say there was a lockout, hypothetically. It's like 2027, there's a lockout. There's no baseball for the whole year. Survivor calls and says, "You're, we want you, you're on. And I guess, you know what, maybe, maybe this is a better hypothetical for after your playing career. Cause I, you might answer the question and say, Oh, I don't, I can't take two months off of, I can't th- take two months where I'm not throwing or, you know, malnourish myself like that. But let's say perfect world, your career is done. You're in the hall of fame survivor calls. Would you do it? I definitely would. I, the only thing is like, for me, I have like, I have some anxiety with like transportation, like and like flying and stuff. So getting me out there would be a hard part. <laughs> but once I got to the island, I think I would be able to move my way around and find ways to just slither my way through the end. So <laughs> I've, I'm, I, I, because I was like watching like the challenge and like Survivor and like. I see all these people like that. They make kind of some mistakes that I'm like, why would you do that? Or like talk too much or like try to go behind their back. And I would definitely be that guy that kind of just like stayed just like you wouldn't even kind of know I'm there. I'll just be super like soft spoken, just down to do whatever to help the team. I wouldn't want to like be too strong in the, in the competition. So I would kind of like hide that. Like maybe I'm not the strongest guy, but in reality, once it got like down to it, like I could, I could definitely show. My problem would be the puzzles. I would definitely get super frustrated with the puzzles, and <laughs> I would need a really good teammate to, uh, to trust and help me with that one. But I think just going into it and finding like one person you can like actually trust, and then kind of go from there. But um, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't tell him I played professional ball. I would kind of make <laughs> a little lie about what I really did. And then kind of just stay stay in the shadows. That would, that would be my game plan. Say you're a fisherman. Tell him you're What'd a fisherman. You, you would tell him you're a fisherman. That yeah, was your, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be talking about fish all the time. And that would yeah, be I would, a I would definitely yeah. make sure to find like a way to make a fishing pole um, with like stick, wood, yeah. and stuff like that. So I could find a way to 
fish without like an actual fishing pole. You could uh, contact doc, Dr. Sean from season one. I can give you his contact. Yeah. He did that. He did that on the first season. He made the Super Pole 2000. So Jeez. he could uh, show you how to do that. I got to watch that one. <laughs> um, would you do Amazing Race in the challenge as well? Yeah, the the uh, Amazing Race. My mom used to love watching that. I never really like watched like a full season of it. I kind of just like, I would see like, oh, it's on and watch like here and there episodes but i never like fully got into like the amazing race which player or teammate if you had to run the amazing race you got to pick somebody that you've played with who would you pick as your teammate i'd probably go one name's popping up to me i would either go Cohen Moreno because he was a track star or I would go Chris Clark just with like how kind of intelligent and he knows so much like weird stuff that most people wouldn't. And he's like very smart about stuff. I'd probably go one of them. And who is the goat of the challenge? Oh man. I think you got to honestly go with I, there's a debate between, I feel like, C, uh, CT and Johnny Bananas, but I think... I'd throw a third one in there. I think Jordan as well. Who? Jordan. Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, also really good. Is, is yeah. he the one with the missing... Or yeah, the, he only has one hand. Yeah. Yeah. He's a beast. He, he's His wife is on the show, right, too? Uh, I don't believe they ended up getting married, but he did okay, get engaged so they to Tori, and then other? I think they they split up. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but I remember them too. I would, to me, I love CT, and I think he's a beast. But if you go just based off kind of stats, I feel like Johnny Bananas is is kind of the goat. Yeah, he's the he's the MJ of yeah the challenge. He's got. I definitely think he is. Actually, he's the Tom Brady. I mean, he's got seven rings. He won seven times. Yeah. And I think I think Wes is super good, but like I don't think his social game's <laughs> good enough. <laughs> he thinks he's like he thinks he's like masterminding and controlling everybody, but everyone yeah. is kind of on to him. And yeah, they they they've spent too many seasons with him. They know what he's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you an NFL and college football fan? Oh yeah, big time. Panthers. Yeah, my my dad and my dad and my mom, we've had season tickets to uh, to Panthers games since I was literally two to three years old. My dad would take me on his shoulders every game, and that's where I honestly think I felt like in love with sports was just going to those games. And we wouldn't miss a home game for anything. It was every single week for my whole lifetime. We were going up to the home games of, of Panther games. Do you believe in Bryce Young? Do you think this is just a uh, hey man? A lot of these guys have a tough rookie year. Team wasn't very good. Or are you starting to? Are you? Are, do you believe in him, or are you thinking maybe he's not the guy? I think you got to give it a little bit more time. I think I think you can't really base anything off this first year because you look at you look at all these good quarterbacks. They got at least two receivers that are really good, and like like Tua, he's got Jalen Waddle and and um Tyreek Hill and then you got Jalen Hurts that has AJ Brown and and um Devontae Smith 
And then all these really good quarterbacks, they have at least two good receivers or at least one main main star. And we we Carolina Panthers had had none of that. Like Adam Thielen's a super good guy, but I don't think he's like a number one receiver. Like he's a good guy when you have a number one receiver and all the attention's on him. And then Thielen is a really good receiver, so you can kind of look at him more. And that's when I think Thielen thrives is when he has that like really good receiver. And so he's kind of the back end guy that that's under the shadows that's not being paid attention to as much, and he can go ball out. Um, and if he's our number one, like I think teams kind of found out early because Thielen was was killing it, and teams kind of found out early like if we just stick to Thielen, like he's got nobody else to throw to, and and guys really just weren't getting open. You could kind of see it like going to the games, like he was always running out of the pocket because the O line also wasn't great, and and it's hard when the O line's not great and wide receivers just can't get any space to get open. So I think it was it was super super kind of skewed. So I would obviously say get of the year, but I don't think Carolina was in the position to draft a quarterback yet. I think we needed to build talent around and at least have some wide receivers for him. So I think he was just kind of put into a bad position. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that pick this year. For sure. Oh, it'd be you you get you get Marvin Harris and then you still kind of had DJ Moore. I think it would have looked great for the Panthers. So let's do this real quick, since you're an NFL fan. First round of the NFL playoffs, and I know we only have a few minutes here, so we're going to move quickly. But you want to do a quick lightning round of picks for the weekend? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Cleveland at Houston. My gut's telling me Cleveland. Joe Flacco. It's a great yeah. story. I actually think I could see Cleveland being a dark horse. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think it's going to be – I think C.J. Stroud is going to have a tough time first NFL game, even though it's home. I think first playoff the veteran game, yeah. quarterback is going to come out on top here. All right, Miami at Kansas City. Kansas City, easy. Yeah, yeah. That, that one seems like a gimme. Pittsburgh at Buffalo, no T.J. Watt. Uh, harsh weather conditions, though, probably a lot of snow. I think, I think Buffalo's got this one pretty easy, too. Green Bay at Dallas. I, I know I could get some hate, but I feel like there could be an upset brewing mm. in Dallas. I don't know why. And like, I hate that. Like, it, I could very well see the Cowboys blowing them out, but something is telling me that Green Bay could upset them uh, again. And I, I think, like, I think. Green Bay, Loki has like a curse on the Cowboys ever since that <laughs> Des Bryant catch and stuff like that. I think I think it could continue to where like it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. So I would go. Mike, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take a chance and say Green Bay knocks nice. him out early. Yeah, Mike McCarthy game, big game for him against his former team. Yeah, uh, Rams at Detroit. I love Detroit, and I I think the head coach is awesome. But you're a hard knocks with. fan, I think. Oh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Rams. Stafford coming in, beating his former team. We got some great storylines for these games. And then Philly, oh, yeah, they are. Philly at Tampa Bay. Honestly, not a big fan of having the Monday night game. I'd rather just have three on Sunday. But Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think Eagles figure it out, and I think Eagles win this game. All right. Who's going, who, what's your Super Bowl pick? Super Bowl pick is going to be... 49ers. 
I'm gonna say I, I think the Ravens are literally a powerhouse. <laughs> can Cleveland be the thorn in Baltimore's side? Division rival, yeah. Joe Flacco. For sure. Lamar I think hasn't a dark won in horse the playoffs. Could be even even the Bills. Yes, they're catching their stride right now. They got some momentum. Yeah, for sure. Okay, two more things. DJ, I know you're a man of faith. What is what role does God play in your life? Uh, he just it's just something like that for me. That like knowing like I don't gotta go out and try to control something. I can just kind of let him be like the driver in the in the car and and knowing that like no matter what what happens like. I could always go talk to somebody or if something happens, like I don't feel like I'm alone because I can go go talk to God. And and that's why, like, I love how, how you text me um, some quotes every single day and scriptures and stuff like that. It's, it's so awesome for me to just read every single day. And it's really cool. But I think he's just he's he's gotten me this far. And I'm, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And it's, it's kind of crazy because my, my parents never played sports and my dad kind of just solely devoted baseball to or just sports in general to me. And, and my mom was always that super supportive mom. And then my brother is, is also super supportive. And it's crazy how just everything kind of happens for a reason. And it's cool to like how everything's kind of worked out. And, and I know I, I pray every single night and just, just having that one person I could talk to about literally anything that is going on and, or like I wouldn't want to say out loud to other people. I can just kind of tell him, and it's it's just nice to have like that that person or just God to just be able to talk to when whenever. Awesome man, uh, and I'm glad to send you the verses. I'm glad you enjoy those. All right, I believe I'm going to make a prediction. I think this is the last time I'm interviewing you as a minor leaguer. I think this is the year for you. So with that said. When we're talking about your career 10, 15, 20 years from now, what are you hoping people say? What what's the end goal here? Uh I I I know in 21 I I always like have I still like have a goals list. I I remember I, I went to Chicago after 21. They they had us come up there and there was a little sticky pad. I'm waiting for my air, airport or I'm waiting for my plane, so I'm waiting for my Uber driver. I'm just sitting in the Cubs locker room by myself and I'm writing on a sticky note, everything that I want to become. And uh, one of it was definitely become a hall of famer. And then the other was, I, I, I really do believe I could, I could get, I could be one of those elite pitchers with two to three Cy Young awards. And this is just like goals that are like crazy, but like, I, I believe I could actually accomplish them once I get there. And once I get established, cause I'm, I'm a quick learner. I'm able to adjust quickly. Like, I can raise my my level of my game just just being natural and just being able to pick up on things quickly and uh, I also and so those those two and then the the third one was honestly I want to be top three in all of strikeouts ever to ever to be as a pitcher I, I I truly believe I could be up there with at least top five top three most strikeouts ever. And by the way, DJ is a very humble guy. He's he's only saying this stuff because I asked him about it. He's a <laughs> humble guy. He's not, and he's 
but he's shooting he's shooting high he's got um, yeah that's, i'm shooting super high and it, it's it's something i i truly believe in myself and I, I work my butt off every single day and and these are just like dreams like i had as a kid that i was like you know we could we could actually do this like if we actually believe and we put trust and like like you said god put trust in myself and just have a good support system around me and and i i believe if you work as hard as you can to to something that that you can you can go out and reach it and grab it and it might not be like everything you want but say you reach one of those and that's that's something that will will forever um be grateful dj is there anything else anything else you want to discuss or bring up today uh, I think we we talked about everything. <laughs> we did. <laughs> well, hey, good luck to you, my man. God bless you. And uh, oh, you know what? Give you if you want to throw out your Twitter or Instagram. You want people to check out anything or promote anything. You want people to follow you. Go ahead, and uh, the floor is yours. Uh, my Instagram is DJ underscore hers, and then uh, that's H E R Z. And then uh, my Twitter is David John, which is my first name. David John, hers, all together. And, yeah. Well, thank you, DJ. Uh, and like I said, good luck to you. I firmly believe that a year from now we'll be doing this podcast talking about your first season in the big leagues. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes my time today with DJ Hers. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will hopefully be having more interviews like this over the next month. I'm going to try to bang out as many of these interviews uh, with prospects or major leaguers before spring training starts. I don't want to really be trying to get too many of these in the middle of the season. I think it's hard enough, I mean, to get guys to agree to do it in the middle of the season. They might not be able to relax and have fun the way that they can in the offseason. Just kind of you know, have a good time. So um, that doesn't mean we won't have any in the middle of the season. It's entirely possible, but I'm going to be trying to uh, get out a bunch of these. So if you're a prospect, by the way, if you're out at the fall league or if you're a prospect and you'd like to get on this show, go ahead and shoot me a DM. It is at Jack Vita show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook listeners. Please give me a follow. Um, you can follow and I'll be posting about who I'll be having on the show in the future. So you guys can see what episodes I have coming out. Uh, but also please subscribe to the Jack Vita show. If you guys liked today's episode, if you are interested in going back and checking out other episodes, hit subscribe. You can do that here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcast, there's audio and video form. And then finally, as I mentioned, Actually, I didn't mention, but uh, you heard DJ and I talk a little bit about reality TV. We will be doing a lot of coverage on this new season of The Traders on Peacock. The Traders is a new reality show. It's season two, and the way that this show works, it's a, mur it's a murder mystery show with a bunch of reality TV alumni. So as we mentioned, Johnny Bananas, CT, Sandra from Survivor, Dan Geesling, Janelle from Big Brother, um, Trishel, also from the challenge, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick, the survivor icon, three time survivor, uh, contestant. She competed on the last season of the traders. Stephanie and I are going to have a regular traders podcast running and they'll be in this feed for the Jack Vita show. And I understand 
not everybody is a reality TV fan who checks this out. And I know some people are reality TV fans and not sports fans. That's fine. You can skip these episodes if they're not of interest to you. But if you're looking for a new show to watch, check out The Traders and then listen to our coverage each week. We're going to be providing coverage and analysis and commentary. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stephanie will give us a little bit of a, an insider expert view of things and we'll break it all down and have a lot of good laughs along the way so once again please subscribe to jack vita show and until our next episode i'm jack vita bring in the dancing lobsters 